Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors blew out the Mavericks. Wow, it feels great to say the words blowout uh, with the Raptors winning by a score of 116 to 93 over the Dallas Mavericks. Um, first off, you know, salute Stanley Johnson, okay? Stanley's gonna Stanley's a podcast favorite. He's going to be mentioned quite a bit. I just want to shout him off, off top because... Um, the play of the game. Forget the rest of the game. All right, the Raptors had a great game plan, everything like that. Forget the rest of the game. The play of the game for me was in the fourth quarter. Luka Doncic just frustrated. All right, his team is down. They had just lost to the Bulls the night before. He had 35 and 15 in that one. I have 35, 15, and 16, I believe. He comes into this game looking for redemption. Raptors completely stifled them off um, defensively. Mavs also sh- couldn't shoot at all from the three-point line. And um, then all of a sudden you have Stanley Johnson pressing Luka Doncic the full length of the floor. I mean, it's fourth quarter. I would say it's almost slightly unnecessary. But, of course, that's Stanley's role. He's going to get up in your face, and that's the way he plays defense. And he pressured Stanley all the way up the floor. Or he pressured Luka from, like, literally 94 feet away from his basket. Um, Right on the inbound. Right on the baseline. And then right away, Luka caught the ball. Threw an elbow into Stanley Johnson. Not like threw an elbow like he like was trying to hurt him or something. Just like that sort of chicken wing kind of like get off me, right? Referees, you know, of course, they're not going to call anything for Stanley Johnson uh, when it comes to uh, an infraction, including uh, who was likely an MVP candidate in Luka. All right, so no, no call. Stanley um, pressures him again. Luka gets the half court. Um, this time... He does a push-off with his offhand against Stanley. Still no call. Again, referees are like, all right, cool. I mean, this is just how it goes in the NBA. People have different privileges, um, even on MLK Day. But, um, you know, just, you know, pushed off. Okay, nothing. And then, you know, finally, you know, uh, because of the pressure, Luka dribbles the ball off of Stanley's foot. It's called a kickball. On that play, Fred Van Vliet decides to, you know, Cape for Stanley, come for Stanley's uh, defense because honestly, Stanley's playing some great defense. Like you know, you should come for his, for him. Uh, and, and and Fred got a tech for complaining or whatever. Who cares? You know, whatever. But that was you know that was just great defense from Stanley. And I kind of that kind of embodied the whole flow of this game because the Raptors played such great defense. And the bonus on top was that on the ensuing sequence of the Raptors were playing offense. The ball swung to Stanley in the corner, and Luca was guarding Stanley. And Luca kind of just like waved it off, not like disrespectfully, but kind of just you could tell he was like, "Man, Stanley's not gonna hit this three. You know, he kind of almost disrespecting the man. And Stanley hit the corner three, which, by the way, I have to remind people, Stanley Johnson is now shooting fifty percent from three on this season. Um, you can you know look that up. I think that's right. If it's not, don't quote me. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I mean, listen, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that sequence right there was just so satisfying because 
that's kind of how the whole game went. The Raptors were just frustrating the hell out of the Mavericks. Defensively, this was the best of the Raptors I've looked. And you can point to a couple of things. You know, oh, the Mavericks were second out of the back-to-back. They're on the road. You know, they lost three straight. Um, you know, this and that. Oh, you know, whatever, man. And you can say, oh, the Mavericks shot 9 of 30, uh, 36 from 3 tonight. You know, 25%. That's obviously way below their their norm for the season. You know, Luka shot 0 for 3. Um, you know, you got Tim Hardaway Jr., who's generally speaking a pretty good shooter. 0 for 6. 0 for 12 from the field overall. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's bad. Um you know, whatever. But, no, the Raptors just really played great defense from start to finish. And I love the intensity the Raptors played with. Because even early in the game, when the Raptors weren't doing much offensively, and a lot of that came down to Pascal really struggling to find his footing in the first half, only had four points on, like, one of seven shooting. Um, you know, Fred was only at two points at halftime. Finished the game two of ten from from the field. Although I thought Fred defensively was, was excellent. Um, but... Even with the Raptors struggling offensively in the first half, they were playing great defense. And I love the fact that, you know, going to the halftime, Dallas had, what, you know, 47 points? Which, by the way, I mean, like, how much, how often do you see 47 points by halftime um, in one of these current NBA games in the bubble where things are blown out of proportion? I mean, every game I've seen to watch, there's very little defense played. 47-point quarters are probably more common than 47-point halves, at least to, to me when I'm watching these games. Um, and so I thought the Raptors defensively were, were excellent. And honestly, you know, um, it, it came down to the fact that the Raptors just had a really good plan against Luka. Obviously, Luka is MVP-level talent, um, you know, kind of a James Harden in waiting. Although, honestly, he's already kind of James-esque. Like, he doesn't really score like James, but... Um, you know, kind of that do-it-all, kind of MVP, kind of stat-like guy. And But realistically, you know, I think the Mavericks have this kind of fundamental problem where they don't have a second shot creator. And, you know, usually that's supposed to be Tim Hardaway, although he's more of a shot taker than a shot creator. Like, Norm's a shot taker, but he's not a creator necessarily. And I think uh, Hardaway is kind of the same way. Um, you know, I think, you know, they got decent production from a guy like Trey Burke off the bench. He was kind of annoying. Uh, he seemed to always really pressure uh, Fred and, and also was honestly pretty effective offensively. Um, but, I mean, come on, man. That can't be your second option. Like, who was Luka playing with? Yes, Porzingis is there, but there's only so many things they can do together. And, of course, Porzingis is not a guy who creates his own shot. And even if he does, it's probably just like a post-up kind of turnaround jumper. You know, that's not necessarily something you're going to build your offense around. So um, the Raptors kind of knew that, and Luka being the main linchpin of the um, – of the Mavericks offense, the Raptors did a really good job of a couple of things. One, just the ball pressure, right? The who was guarding Luka, OJ Anobi and Stanley Johnson. Listen, man, you're going to have a hard night if you're going against those two guys, all right? Those two guys are both um, very, very strong, can match Luka's size, which is a lot of what Luka scores with is his size, that and the craft. And, of course, the skill as well, right? He's got footwork. Uh, the jumper usually works pretty well for him. You know, he got tricks to go to the free throw line, all that stuff, but... Um, a lot of what Luca does is his size because he's so big. He's like six foot nine, right? And he's like pretty physical as well. So um, that is usually an advantage he would have. But again, OJ Anobi and Stanley Johnson. I mean, you know, Stanley said it himself. He's not light in the butt, man. All right, he's not a small guy, and, and he can match Doncic for size. OG can match Doncic for size. So that right away gave the Raptors a great advantage. But I thought it was a team effort, right? People after the game really want to talk to Stanley and, you know, give him a lot of credit for his defense on uh, Luka. And Stanley kind of refused to take that credit because 
it was a team effort by the Raptors because it just takes more than one guy to stop Luka, man. It's not like a game of one-on-one here. Um, what happened was that the Raptors had great schemes, and I thought this was one of the best schemes that Nick Nurse has coached in terms of just how prepared I saw the Raptors coming into this game because they had different schemes. They had different looks for for Luka, right? They had, um, you know, early in the game, you know, they would run pick and rolls, try to target Aaron Baines because obviously he would try to do that. Um, and Baines came out, showed high on the perimeter, and, and, and blitzed against Luka and forced Luka to give up the dribble. I think one time he actually forced Luka into a turnover, so that was great, right? Obviously, that's a mismatch, but still, Baines stretching out the perimeter, then recovering into the paint, um, you know, t- getting stops that way. Honestly, Baines wasn't even bad defensively, and Baines got two shifts tonight. Usually, only gets that first shift in the game where, you know, that Louis Scola start the five minute, <laughs> first five minutes and then don't play the rest of the game. Um, Baines got two of those shifts tonight, um, zero points again, but, you know, I thought he played a lot better. The bar is in the basement at the moment, but still, he he, he cleared that bar. He was on the first floor. Um, he, <laughs> but, you know, the Raptors, you know, they, they showed the blitzing defense. Then what they did was when Baines came out and the second unit came in, they showed a lot more switching defense in terms of um, Luka trying to run these pick and rolls. Sometimes with one screen, sometimes with two screens. And I thought especially when the Raptors were guarding against the the Luka pick and roll with two screens, the Raptors did such a good job of recognizing the play as it happened. And they would have these, um, they would orchestrate the switches so perfectly that, you know, the Mavericks tried to run it from left to right, right to left to try to switch it up a little bit. Sometimes they would reject the screen. Sometimes one guy would pop out or whatever. But Raptors just never phased. You know, I thought... Um, you know, there was great communication on the switches. First off, switching is not just that simple, especially when you got two, a guy coming off two screens and he's going to attack it different ways. How do you know which way you're going to switch, right? You need to be A, very smart, and B, communicate really well. And the Raptors did a really good job of that, and they would switch. And even when they did switch and have mismatches, they did a really good job of switching out of those mismatches off the ball. Like if Kyle was in the post against um, Kristaps Porzingis, Kyle would orchestrate and get, like, Pascal to switch with him off the ball. And then Kyle would go into a perimeter player. And I just thought the physicality by the Raptors was really good. Because all that switching, what that accomplished was that Luka couldn't turn downhill and get into the paint. And Luka is such a good pick-and-roll operator that he will just carve you apart. Normally, if you send double teams and something like that, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to maybe get him to get rid of the ball. But realistically, it's going to get you killed with the passing and stuff like that. But... The Raptors switching tonight f- kept Luka on the perimeter. If Luka was to create, which he rarely did, um, it was kind of like in the mid-range area. You can kind of live with that. And again, 15 points for Luka. I mean, damn. Uh, this guy averages like 30 a game. And you, you dropped him to 15. That was that was really nice to see. Um, and I just thought, look, listen, I think the switching defense has come a, a long way. I think, obviously, the Raptors used it a lot against the Hornets um, in that game. The Hornets are a very different opponents from the Mavericks where they have multiple um, perimeter players who can attack, and they usually have them on the floor at once, so you're really going to have a hard time loading up on one guy. This is completely different. You can completely load up on Doncic, um, but I thought the switching defense uh, was kind of iffy then. There were a lot of missed switches when you watch back on the film. Today, the switches were right there, perfect timing negotiated well and honestly the Raptors did a really good job of swarming and double teaming when the 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 Mavericks were um you know about to create a mismatch or about to attack a mismatch because look listen Chris Stapps is still a pretty skilled big and if he has a mismatch you know he's he's tough like one time OG Anobi had Chris Stapps in the post and Chris Stapps just shot right over OG and I think he got the foul too and he banked it off the glass so like you know there's some real skill that goes into that player but 
The Raptors also did a really good job of blitzing and, and creating turnovers. You know, um, when you look at it, the Mavericks only had 16 turnovers, so it doesn't look that bad. But the Raptors were able to, you know, get out on the break, especially in that third quarter stretch where, I mean, there was a run where, um, you know, Fred was able to rip uh, Chris Asperzingas. You know, Fred is so good at helping out and digging in uh, against big men, especially, I mean, literally, I mean, <laughs> anytime a big man thinks they have a mismatch, Fred VanVleet will always be right there, especially when they try to spin. Uh, and Fred will just take it. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even imagine what Fred will, would do defensively against Pascal in a team setting. Uh, hopefully they never have to uh, be on different teams. Um, you know, Fred uh, swiped it from Porzingis. Then OJ Anobi dove on the floor and, and wrestled a, a loose ball away from Luka Doncic. And the Raptors were able to get on transition. Now Kyle was able to create a, a deflection and a steal, I think, off of, um, off, I think, J- uh, James Johnson. Shout out two-time Raptor James Johnson, by the way. I, mean, I missed that guy. This guy looked really, really skinny from the last time I saw him. It, he looks very, very different. Um, you know, but anyway, uh, you know, Kyle was able to create a tra- you know, transition. And honestly, that third quarter where the Raptors, you know, really finally got their offense going. And by doing that uh, and also maintaining their defense, the Raptors were able to just kind of go away with this game. Because um, in that third quarter, the Raptors scored 34 points. Um, you know, 34 to 25 for the Raptors. So the Raptors were plus nine in that quarter. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry was leading the way 4-4 in the quarter, played the whole 12 minutes. And um, I love this performance from Kyle. I really loved it. Um, you know, Kyle has sort of, I don't know, he, I feel sometimes like he's trying to accommodate other players and it feels sometimes that he's maybe taking over. And, you know, it's kind of like a weird balance uh, with Kyle. And as, of course, I, I also feel for Kyle because he hasn't had a lot of pick-and-roll partners to play with, right? You think of years past, Kyle with, with Serge Ibaka was, like, such a big, big moment. And, you know, you know, I think Kyle's starting to figure out more chemistry with Chris Boucher. I think Kyle's always had chemistry with Chris. But it wasn't on the level of Kyle and Serge or even Kyle and Mark, really. Uh, and, of course, Kyle and Baines. Nobody has chemistry with Baines at the moment. I, I don't even want to slander him. It's just, it's just true. No, no one's even to create offense for him. Like, he took one shot in 11 minutes and he, and he, and he missed a three. Um, you know, like I think it's been a little bit harder for Kyle, but I think tonight he struck the perfect balance because there were times tonight, even though you look at the score, the Raptors win by 23 points. You, there were times tonight where you looked at the game and you're like, man, the Raptors are slipping here. Uh, you know, there, there's some mistakes here and there. Like we got to clean this up or, or this is hurting the Raptors or maybe the Raptors lose control. Maybe it's just cause you know, you've seen the two and eight start. Uh, you've even seen some of the games against Charlotte where they won, where you're like, all right, Raptors are in control, but, you know, <laughs> what's going to go wrong, right? Because that's what that's what we've seen. The Raptors give up leads over and over and over again. Um, and I thought tonight Kyle just did such a good job of keeping everything steady. Whenever the Raptors needed something, he would step in. Like, I thought um, in this, uh, to end the second quarter, the Raptors had a lead because the bench was playing great defense. Then the Mavericks took the lead. Because the Raptors' intensity dropped, I thought Fred and Pascal, when they checked in for Kyle, those two guys were supposed to hold the lead, but those two guys, you know, they struggled offensively. They had a quick stretch there where, you know, uh, uh, Pascal took like this, you know, uh, jumper that missed, and then Fred took a pull-up mid, uh, mid-range two that missed, and then Pascal gave up a layup, or he contested a layup, but didn't not forcefully enough, the guy scored on him, then the Mavericks hit a three. And I like the Nick Nurse called for a quick timeout because even though it was such a small blip, he got Kyle Lowry back into the game. And I thought, you know, that changed everything. Kyle in that final minute there, you know, right before halftime when the Raptors were kind of slipping there, Kyle drives in, gets two free throws, you know, 
uh, goes to the line, slows the game down, gives the Raptors some points, gets them out of their cold streak, then Kyle Lowry drives over to the basket and scores. You know, it reminds me, honestly, of that Charlotte game, right? <laughs> Raptors are tied down the stretch, and Kyle drives in for the foul against Rozier and then hits the turnaround jumper on, uh, or step back jumper on uh, Gordon Hayward. That's that's where you need Kyle to bring you that steadiness. And I thought, you know, it's a totally different situation. It's the end of the first half. It's no, it's not like crunch time in a one point game. But Kyle are giving that same kind of energy and that spark. And honestly, I think you know, one of the easiest things to do with Kyle is obviously you know he's such a good um, player in terms of short sequences, right? Short one minute left in the quarter. That's where I want Kyle Lowry in the game, especially because I want him to dictate those plays. No one is, you know, smarter on this team than Kyle about the two-for-ones, right? Sometimes you see other players try to do it, and it's like Pascal will jack up a three, and you're like, you're, you're ice cold. I understand that you're trying to create two possessions uh, by taking an early shot and getting the ball back, but that's just a bad shot. And often the Raptors get, you know, a, a, you know, a transition going the other way. Kyle is totally different in terms of those, you know, short clock management Um scenarios and I, I just thought Kyle played really well and in that third quarter the Raptors pulled ahead that's where Kyle really shined a perfect four or four from uh, you know, for 12 points in that um third quarter he what hit two threes dropped drove to the basket he had five rebounds and was really pushing the pace I think the Mavericks on the second of the back-to-back with a short roster you know they're missing a lot of players at the moment or not like super huge important players but still rotation players um and, you know, Kyle was able to, you know, it was just smart. Like, look, they're, they're tired. They're on the road. We should push the pace. We got one, much more energy. We're rested. And they took it to him. And I love that. Um, but uh, Kyle also had, like, a really nice pass to uh, Chris Boucher cutting in for a dunk. And Kyle just was brilliant in that third quarter. Played the whole 12 minutes, obviously, plus nine. And then the fourth quarter comes along. You know, and I thought, you know, by that point, guys have started to join Kyle in terms of what the Raptors were doing. I thought the third quarter was such a big difference for Pascal. I mean, the first half, Pascal has four points. Second half, Pascal has 15 points. He really settles into the game. He figures out the spots where he can attack, right? Because first half, he would he would, he would take weird shots. Like, he had Willie Cauley-Stein isolated. And Cauley-Stein's a little bit bigger. So, you know, okay. Maybe you do want to take him to the perimeter, but Pascal was, like, kind of settling for jumpers. You know, I would say, yeah, he would do some crossovers. You know, Cauley-Stein would just kind of stand there and be like, I don't care. I'm just going to guard the drive. And Pascal will pull up. And those uh, those jumpers didn't go in. Those mid-range pull-ups, which aren't even efficient shots to begin with. Um, but then, you know, he, he had two of those drives, or two of those missed jumpers against Colley Stein. Then when he had a, a, you know, Porzingis guarding him. Porzingis is way bigger than, than Colley Stein and just better defensively. And for some reason, Siakam tried to try to post Porzingis and force the issue there. And Porzingis just kept his, you know, he's seven foot three, man. He just kept his arm up. And Pascal tried to go around him, yelled A, and, you know, like, the shot didn't go in. And, you know, it was kind of spiraling a little bit. Second half, Pascal took a way different approach. I thought Drapis did a way better job of creating mismatches for him, setting screens early in the possession, away from the ball, things like that, to get Tim Hardaway Jr. on him. And Pascal was just going at Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, even when he had Willie Cauley-Stein on him, drove to the basket, scored on him. You know, like, that's what he has, the, the skills, the perimeter uh, ability to to not just take the shot, which a lot of people can take a shot when the defense is sagging back, but the ability to slash and create and get inside and post and get to the foul line. Pascal was way better in the second half. Um, and he also gives you this customary five assists. Um, some of those were off really, really quick passes, you know, like you're getting into the pick and roll. Like the Raptors use Siakam a little bit more in the pick and roll today. 
especially I feel like in the second half, Kyle was using him in the, in the pick and roll. Um, and Siakam would roll, the defender would step up and rotate, and Pascal would, would make the right pass really quickly out of that scenario. A nice bounce pass to the wing for a three, finding OG in the corner for three, stuff like that. So I thought Pascal had a really good game in the second half, and that helped contribute the Raptors to just, I mean, they scored way better in the second half. They scored, um, what, 69 points, nice, in the second half, and they scored, uh, you know, 47 in the first half, right? So, you know, that's... Um, you know, that's uh, much better results-wise from the Raptors offensively. And I thought, you know, the rest of it was just kind of guys, you know, giving you contributions um, across the board. I thought the team uh, operated well uh, as a group. I thought O.J. Anobi had a really, really nice night. Um, you know, he's really, I've been really satisfied with his production in the last few games. Um, he will do like one or two things a game where you're just kind of like, whoa, offensively. And, and I like that it's becoming consistent. Like today... You know, it was Willie Cauley Stein. I mean, Pascal just was taking jumpers. OG Anobi had Willie Cauley Stein on him, and just took him right to the basket. And and OG, even though Cauley Stein is bigger, he's a center. OG just put his shoulder into him, bumped him, got inside for the layup. You know, very very coordinated, very smooth. Now there were times, you know, you try to post Porzingis and lost a dribble that didn't look pretty. But um, yeah, OG shows you stuff, man. I mean, well, he had what. James Johnson on the wing, jab-stepped him to create space and then pulled up right in his face for three, swish. You know, a bounce pass, you know, uh, that was a little bit high. He caught it, like, midway in his, almost in his face in a shooting pocket and went for the short release, the quick release three, the 0.5 seconds. I don't shoot trying to miss three. And he hit that from the corner. And I, I love that. But I, I love more than anything else the effort and hustle OG showed tonight because he obviously had to, A, guard Doncic a lot, which is exhausting. But also... In the fourth quarter there, O.J. Anobi had a stretch where the Raptors got a stop. There was a loose ball, and O.J. Anobi dove out of bounds to rescue the defensive rebound, and the Raptors were able to go. And then on the other end, the Raptors uh, scored or, or got, got a shot. They missed it. O.J. Anobi then flies in for the offensive rebound, and um, in doing so, he, he throws the ball off of one of uh, Dallas's players, and um, that becomes a turnover. So, um, you know, that, that, that two-way sequence was, was really great to see, that, that hustle from OG. And he's just played his role really nicely. And I, I want to keep seeing him, you know, once or twice a game, especially when he's engaged defensively as he is today, right? The 11 rebounds uh, to lead the team was, was great to see from OG um, and the defense. When he's engaged like that, yeah, the one or two possessions where he tries to do something, do it, take it, because that's, that's where the next step developmentally is going to come from for OG. Uh, but I was happy with him. I thought, I mean, honestly, Norm played his role really well. I, I love that, you know, today wasn't like the Hornets game where he scored 24 points, but that was because he hit six threes. Tonight, Norm only hit one three off, off in, in the corner, I believe, from Pascal, but Norm just got to the rim, and he he got to the rim again, and he scored, which is so nice, right? Because Norm had been really, really off from two-point range, shooting like 40% from two. That's not his game whatsoever. Uh, but Norm tonight, you know, he shoots one of three from three, but then he shoots uh, five of eight from two. Uh, and, and you know, I, I like the aggression slashing to the basket. Sometimes he would force the issue, you know. And, and, I mean, sometimes it's good to force the issue. Sometimes you have Trey Burke on you. And Norm has, like, he's 6'4". Trey Burke's, like, 5'10". You know, and, and he has strength and stuff like that. So you, you draw baseline against Burke and then stretched all the way around him and got to the other side for a reverse layup. You know the guy who's 5'10". He's not going to block your shot. Go for the layup there. 
I thought Norm made a lot better decisions that way. The Raptors played better defense to allow Norm to be in transition more. And I like the amount of pressure that Norm puts on the basket because that's where Norm's main benefit comes from to this team is that the Raptors don't have that many players who can put downward pressure on the rim, right? You have Boucher, who's a kind of a lob, kind of catch finisher, kind of stuff like that, a pick and roll finisher, but he's not creating for himself that much. Kyle, you know, he can get down to the rim, but, you know, I mean, come on, man. I mean, he's small. Fred's kind of the same issue. Pascal is kind of the guy who does that, but sometimes he does that, sometimes he doesn't. You saw it today. First half he didn't, second half he did. Norm is a guy who, if you give him the ball, he can actually create and get all the way to the rim, and that is great. And he did his role perfectly tonight, and honestly don't see any reason why Norm can't build off of this. This should be the norm for Norman Powell. Excuse the, the pun. 17 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal. I mean, that's how you know it's a Norm Powell stat line one. He just gives you just points and very little else. Straight buckets. Like, that's what you want to see from Norm. And honestly, there's nothing he did tonight that wasn't necessarily something that he can do consistently. Because you look at the Mavericks. That's a team that you can see. Well, they actually have size, right? They have. Um, or they're, they're missing uh, Maxi Kleber, but um, they have Porzingis. They have um, Willie Cauley-Stein. They have size in the middle. Um you know, it's not necessarily a team that you would think Norm would just get to the rim over and over again because they don't guard the rim, like Sacramento, for example. Um, but Norm was able to get there. And honestly, Norm has that ability. We've seen all of last season. So I'm very happy that he built off of the performance he did uh, versus Charlotte uh, over tonight. He also much better defensively tonight. No obvious mistakes, which is a, a huge win onto itself. And then, I can't believe I'm getting to this just now, but Chris Boucher was very solid. Very, very good. It's almost... Freaky that he had a 21 point, 10 rebound, three blocks, two assists, a steal, eight of 12 shooting, two of five from three, three of three from the free throw line, plus 19. And that somehow feels regular for Chris Boucher. Like, I didn't really watch the game. I was like, wow, look at look at this Chris Boucher game. You know, look at him hitting sidestep threes, all this other stuff. I can't believe he's doing this. No, like, this is just, it feels normal that, yeah, he just had this super productive game. And, you know, I even thought he got off to a slow start. I was like, oh, man, this is the game where Chris finally slows down. Because when he first checked into the game, he bit on a pump fake from Luka, fouled him in the mid-range. You know, he got scored on in the post. Um, you know, he missed his first three. And I was like, oh, man, maybe this is the game where he comes down. No, he has another fantastic game. And it's honestly amazing. Uh, he's so consistent. He's got such great chemistry now. You know, obviously with Fred, with Kyle. And, and, but he's also just doing a lot of stuff himself. I mean, like... Um, I thought he was really good. I mean, first off, he's always really good at contesting threes, but, you know, blocked a couple of threes. I think that's part of why Tim Hardaway shot 0 of 12, as I'm pretty sure Boucher caught a few of his shots. Um, you know, and, yeah, I mean, I read a stat somewhere that Boucher leads the NBA in shots blocked outside of the uh, outside of the paint, which I'm like, yeah, of course, man. This guy, this guy is terrifying. Imagine trying to shoot a jump shot with Chris Boucher anywhere in the gym. Like, he's probably going to block you. Um and but you no, know, as the activity, it's the fact that he got on the offensive glass as he as he likes to do. That's a nice dimension that the Raptors didn't have in previous seasons. You know, Serge got on the offensive glass a little bit, but Chris Boucher has always been a guy who has. I mean, a he's just younger. You know, he's got fresher legs and stuff like that. Obviously, Mark was an offensive rebounding. It's been nice getting Chris Boucher on the offensive glass. He can do it because obviously you know that if he doesn't get the offensive glass, he's fast and he can run back in transition. Um, and yeah, just feeding off the plays. You know, I thought. Two plays were really not, it stood out for me for, for Boucher. Because the rest of the stuff, you know, pick and roll, you know, you know, Raptors guards draw attention, Raptors wings draw attention, Boucher gets in, he, he scores, or the catch-and-shoot threes, you know, whatever. But two plays that stood out for me. One, 
Um, Boucher gets the stop, collects the rebound. And I believe Stanley was calling for the ball. I think, you know, like, you know, obviously you, you usually gesture to your bigs, like, you know, like pass it to one of your wings. But Boucher kept the ball, uh, you know, took it past half court, and then saw that he had Willie Collistein out of position. I don't think Collistein was expecting Boucher to continue his dribble. I think he's probably thinking, okay, he, he's advanced the ball. He's going to swing the ball, wraps it into a set. And Boucher read this and just drove it right at Collistein. In transition, and Collison gave up the foul, and Boucher got two free throws. I love that, right? That's that's a great show of skill, and I think that's something Boucher has done in the past. He actually has, he has a handle, like he can he can do that, right? And especially against an undisciplined defender like Willie Collinstein, yeah, take it inside, you know, score. That was great. So that that stood out. And the second part was there was one play where Kyle Lowry, you know, not in a not in a set play, it's kind of off of like a free flowing sequence where Kyle Lowry pitched it. To Chris Boucher, I think he was on the wing, and then Kyle cut into the corner, and Boucher pitched it back to Kyle, and then in doing so, Boucher then set a screen to avoid from to block his own man from getting to contest Kyle in the corner, and Kyle got an open three because of it, and that's just something that is just like takes some instinct to do. That that's something that you know you have to read what Kyle's intentions are, and then you have to do it smoothly, and you got to do it smartly, and honestly. You know, it's something that, for example, Steph Curry and Draymond Green do all the time, right? Draymond pitching it, you know, getting the pitch ahead from Steph and then working the two-man game. And for Chris to do that, um, and, and honestly, he did a very, he, he knew exactly what Kyle was going to do and immediately pulled it off, didn't foul, anything like that. He set a great screen, you know, uh, prevented the contact, uh, from the contest from getting to Kyle. And it was a great play. So honestly, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, you know. Uh, Boucher was excellent, and honestly, it feels so weird to say it, but I think he's been the Raptors' most consistent player all season, uh, and that's kind of amazing because he who was he's he's been not even found money because I feel like that's kind of you know not giving enough credit to Boucher for what he's done to the Raptors for resigning and everything like that. But he, I mean, he has blown everyone's expectation out of the water, and he keeps doing this night after night. So great win for the Raptors. I thought Stanley, you know, again going back to the start, man, Stanley, man, Stanley is. Uh, Quickly becoming a fan favorite, you know, six points tonight, three rebounds. Honestly, the Raptors successfully turning Stanley Johnson into, like, the second coming of P.J. Tucker has been amazing to watch. If he can just get automatic from the corners like P.J., it would be fine. I mean, you know, uh, that would be great because, honestly, I've enjoyed every minute of Stanley Johnson this season, and it's been really fun. He hit a three again tonight, again, once, you know, Luka, you know, dropped off. There's another play where Stanley took it to the rim. And the defender just bounced right off of him because Stanley is, like, super strong. And he's got a handle, too. So, listen, man, uh, things are good for the Raptors right now. They have won four of the last six games. And the two losses have been by one point each. So, they're playing good basketball. <laughs> People who want them to tank are uh, in shambles right at the moment. And, um, yeah, the Raptors are looking good. So, in terms of your three stars tonight, first star, Kyle Lowry. Absolutely. 23 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, a block, 35 minutes, 9 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, plus 15. Kyle played amazing tonight. I, I love the way Kyle played. So under control, but yet so much just like drive it to the opponent. This is a classic Kyle game. And kind of an average Kyle game, honestly, but um, the efficiency obviously was great. Um, shooting 9 of 12. In terms of your second star, I'm giving that to Chris Boucher. 21 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, 3 blocks, 8 of 12 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 3 of 3 from the three point, uh, free throw line. Um, just contributing all across the board. Um, you know, picked up 4 fouls, which is probably the only thing you can say negatively about him tonight. But plus 19, such an impact. Getting on the glass, cutting into the open spaces, 
um, scoring, the three-point shot. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I heard a stat that you know Boucher, according to the second spectrum, was the one most outperforming his shots. And so that's kind of a candidate for regression. I mean, listen, I don't, I don't worry about this, man. This the whole season is fake basketball. Uh, during, a, during a pandemic, there's nobody in the arena. It, it's super weird. Guys are missing half their team. Like the Mavericks are missing like a, a third of their team. Uh, I'm not going to worry about regression or, or stuff like that. I'm going to appreciate the blessings I have in life. And Chris Boucher has been a huge blessing uh, with his three-point shooting, with his finishing, with his production. So second second star for Chris. And then third star, a couple places he can go. I thought Pascal's second half really turned it around. I thought Fred defensively did a really good job despite him not scoring. Uh, Norm did a good job scoring uh, and filled his role. But I'm going to give that third star to OJ Anobi. 13 points, 11 rebounds, 2 steals, a block in 33 minutes, 5 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. Um, yeah, I, I love the way OG's playing. I think he played his role well. Obviously, he spent a lot of time guarding Doncic, spent a lot of time guarding Porzingis, and then the, the, the rebounding was great. I've always been asking OG to rebound more because there's no reason why he couldn't do it. He's obviously got the size and physicality for it uh, and the athleticism, and he played his role perfectly tonight, so I'm, I'm very happy with this win. In terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, I've already mentioned it earlier, it's Trey Burke, 17 points, 3 assists, 2 steals. 5-11 shooting, 2 of 6 from 3, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Very shifty player, very crafty player. Obviously, he was a lottery pick. Uh, I believe Utah, I think. I forget which team. But um, didn't really pan out. But he's really found a, a nice spot for himself in, 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 in Dallas. And he's contributing. So I'm happy for him. So uh, he was kind of annoying tonight. So uh, that does it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I'm going to do another Twitter reaction podcast with... Um, co-host Josh Hart um, on Tuesday so look out for that and uh, yeah thanks everyone for listening rate, review, subscribe uh, thanks everyone for leaving great comments on um, the YouTube side uh, for the, the, the videos I mean um, the new graphics courtesy of our uh, video editor slash you know photoshopper extraordinaire uh, Kieran Breen here at Yahoo creating the new look uh, people seem to be responding to it and honestly why not it looks much more spiffy than the last one so um yeah thanks Ron, for leaving great comments um please continue to do so and then yeah let's let's just ride this out man the raptors are on a nice nice roll let's keep it going the raptors play what miami next uh you know what those would be great wins i would those would be great wins so um i'll check back after those games peace How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.